Juggling motherhood and modern day life can be stressful and relentless, but it doesn't need to be this way. The Joy of Being podcast is the answer to maternal mental health, bringing sustainable relief and calm to hardworking mums everywhere so that you, your family and work can thrive. My name is Marina Pearson and I'm your host, transformational coach and mum who loves to interview business owners, transformational professionals, and creatives to have insightful conversations about what it takes to really live a life that is thriving, fulfilling, and full of joy. And today I've got some amazing news. You can now order your very own version of the Joy of Being book, supporting hardworking mums to stress less and live more. If you're the type of mum who is struggling with the burdens of motherhood or modern day life, then this will be a perfect book for you. If you're curious, you want to know more and you want to see what's up with that book, you can do so at www.marinapearson.com slash order. So on today's show, I invited Manix Pals. Manix is a speaker, a coach, and a writer, and someone who I very much admire based on how he expresses himself in the world. He is Manix. And uh, today we talked about a theme or a, a subject that is taken very seriously in the world and we decided to bring a like more light-hearted approach to it not to belittle it but to certainly make light of it and that is the subject of addiction Manic suffered with addiction for many years as I did and we shared our own personal stories as well as our take on what we see addiction now to be really about there are many myths in the addiction world and we decided to debunk quite a few of them so to bring about hope versus any more suffering than is already going on in an addict's world. So if you are an addict, if you know of anybody that is an addict, if you live with one, then this is going to be an incredible episode for you to see it differently and maybe take it with a more lighthearted approach but without necessarily belittling it. Enjoy. So welcome everybody. And on today's show, God, I hopefully I'm not going to bastardize your name. Manix, Manix. 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 Okay, good. Manix Powell's uh, is on the show today and I'm part of his group and I just have always really loved the way he writes about this understanding that if you haven't actually been listening to any of these podcasts, um, is otherwise known as the three principle understanding, the inside out understanding, many names to this one understanding. And the way he writes and the way he expresses it is, is, is delightful, but at the same time, really poignant. As with all of these uh, shows, something comes to mind and then I usually just act on it. So what came to mind in that moment when he'd written something that I really resonated with was to ask him whether he would come on the show. And here he is. Hello. Hi, Marina. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. I'm like, a, I'm like a talking machine, you know, whatever you put me on, I never stop. So uh, okay, really great. cool to be here. Fab- fabulous. So I can just sit back, maybe fall asleep for 45 minutes. And then- I'm not sure if you want to, but you can. <laughs> and for those of you that obviously you're listening to the audio, um, you cannot see him. He is wearing a delightful hat, pom-pom hat actually, with the label still stuck on it. So which he found in his client's wardrobe and thought, well, this is the guest hat. So this is the guest room. So here we are. 
Welcome. Um, so, Max, share me. Uh, I'd love to know a little bit about your story because I know you know we were talking a little bit before about this being about addiction and, and your journey with it. But um, I'd love to start with uh, what brought you to this understanding that you know everything is created via this incredible psychological uh, experience. Yeah, it was actually a revelation I had uh, when I was re- feeling really, really miserable. And uh, I was sitting on my bed a few years ago, probably about six and a half, seven years ago. I was sitting on my bed. I, was, I had just given up drinking and uh, smoking weed and smoking tobacco, uh, things I had done with depression for almost 30 years. And um, when I quit drinking, it looks like it looked like I had to reinvent myself because I started when I was about around 14, 15. So um, I had skipped a lot of years of, 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 of becoming a, an adult. So it was really painful, you know, after the euphoria of the first month of quitting, it became really dreadful. And then I was sitting on my bed and I suddenly realized that depression, it came and it went. And though that sounds very obvious, I saw it in a deeper way because before that I I kind of assumed that I was the depression more or less, that it was me, that it was part of me instead of just something that happened to me. And I didn't really see the consequences of that uh, realization then, but it, I knew that it was something that was really interesting. So that was the first time I personally um, felt that we are something bigger than the ideas we have about ourselves and something cracked open there, you know, and I have, I've, I've been miserable after that for a few months or even a year, but it's, it changed something, you know, and it started, started me on this journey to find out what, what it was about. And then when I started reading about Buddhism and Taoism and later on non-duality, it's, it was all referring to the same thing, uh, just in different words. Like they say, uh, fingers pointing to the moon, and it's it's about the moon, and we have all these fingers, and some fingers you like, and you may you may you may like Buddhism, you hate Taoism, or you may love non-duality, and you think Buddhism is way too woo or whatever. But it's it's about the same thing. So the realization came from from within. It was just given to me, and it was not only given with um, it was given. Uh, with uh, a huge amount of curiosity as well. So I started to explore it. And, and then I wrote a book about it. My first book in, in, uh, in, in Dutch in the Netherlands, I wrote it in the end of 2015, and it's called Free, and, and the subtitle is something like uh, Thinking Less, uh, Living More. Um, and I totally realized that we live in and our own perception of the world. And because of our imagination, it's so extremely real and vivid and painful sometimes and beautiful sometimes. But I didn't really understand how it worked or what the implications were. And and the funny thing is that I I, uh, explored it more and more and more. And then one day, someone on Twitter, a woman I, I, I knew, she said, oh, Marnix, you know the stuff you're writing about? It's very much like the three principles. You should check this out. So that's what I did. I checked it out and I watched a, a movie clip with George Bransky. I watched a movie clip with Michael Neal. 
And when I looked at it and I listened to it, I thought, wow, this is such nonsense. <laughs> it didn't, do, didn't, didn't do anything for me. It was like, ah, oh, so American. Oh, yeah, of course, three principles. It's always three or five or seven. And by that time, I had read so many self-help books, and I was completely fed up with all the numbers and the methods. So I completely dismissed it. I thought, right, just two American guys. It's same old, same old. And I think four or five months later, because that happens in life, I made a giant U-turn and came back and saw the same clips and was like, this is amazing. (laughs) This is the most profound thing I've ever seen. (laughs) So... Um, and then I read um, The Little Book of Big Change by, by Amy Johnson. And um, I was really touched by it because she described the way I, I think about addiction, not as a disease or as something that's wrong with it, just as a way to feel better for a while, which uh, evolves in, into a problem, into a, into a, a, a structure of, of keeping on doing it and not finding your way out again. So it's not, not very difficult or complicated, but it, actually means so i wrote her i sent her an email and i said hey hello amy i loved your book that's what i do when i love books i, I write the authors and then i emailed you haven't written to me yet <laughs> what you, you haven't written to me yet Manix. not yet but so many writers so many authors so <laughs> you'll 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 get your i'll, I'll give you a, an email next okay great very, very spontaneous so much yeah. better. coming out of nowhere <laughs> you won't you won't see it coming so, but, so I, I emailed uh, uh, Amy and I said, have you ever heard about three principles? And she emailed back and said, did you read the back of the book? Did you? And I said, oh. And then she said, are you coming to the three principles conference in London? It was 2017. And I wasn't really blown away yet by, by it. I was like, yeah, maybe. And then I met a woman in Holland, you know, there in, in Holland, it's, 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 it's only just starting. Um, maybe f- 50 people in, in total are interested in this. We have a few practitioners. Um, and we had uh, uh, Angela Mostwijk. She's from a Shift Academy. And I met her. And we had a really cool connection. And um, so I went with her to, uh, to Three Principles Conference. It's the first time I was in, at an event where everybody was kind of looking in the same direction. And it was really cool. It, for me, it felt like floating in love. You know, I was three days I was walking around with the biggest smile on my face ever. <laughs> it was uh, like uh, the coronavirus, but then the, the happy variety. You know, everybody was constantly smiling and glowing, and um, it was really, really f- very, very profound and very special. So, yeah, from there, I, I, I started reading other books and listening to a lot of podcasts and writing a lot of authors, not you yet, but uh, (laughs) that's coming. (laughs) Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. And it's going to be a really profound, extra long email. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. I just, you know, and the the thing is I now I'm a, I'm a, a, an official three principle practitioner, uh, three principles practitioner. And, um, but I, in my coaching, I never mention three principles. Mm. I, I, I talk about, you know, the same stuff. I talk about the intelligence behind life. I talk about the fact that we, that we have thinking going on, that we have this, you know, this 
since this potential to 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 make up everything is this and we have these building blocks of of our experience and then we have the fact that we are aware of that so you can't have a decent conversation without mentioning that but i don't use three principles as a dogmatic way to teach it because my experience is that people get confused around it at least in holland they do whenever i try to explain using concepts they already know but in a different way so they say your well, mind is like this right no 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 it's uh, so i just kind of develop my own way of talking about it and you see this more, like because you know, in the you, you don't have only have the three principles community. You also have the like you like you said, the inside out community and the single paradigm and the clarity method. And and though although we all come from the same uh, place and we all see and feel the same thing, which is very deep and and life changing, we talk about it the way that suits our personality and our past and our words and our vocabulary. Uh, because that makes that gives the most impact you know i could try to be michael neil but i'm not michael neil so uh, i don't want to although i love him and he's one of the best coaches in the world and i did super coach academy but he's michael neil he's the only one who can do michael neil i'm the only one who can do marnix powers you're the only one who can do marina pearson it's very simple so i'd love something that really struck me it was a it was a passing comment, but something I want to go back to. Um, we're seeing addiction in a certain way, and I'd love you to elaborate on that. And because often we can get really caught up in addiction, really being such a bad thing, and being, um, you know, taboo, not even a taboo, but certainly something that we we see as really awful. And I see it quite differently too. Because I used to have um, an eating disorder, and um, and I realised about a year ago that, that that eating disorder actually kept me alive. So what what I hadn't realised was is that the the distraction of the eating disorder was what was keeping me alive. Because otherwise, I probably would have killed myself. So that was a major revelation I had. In actual fact, it was amazing because I was like, oh my God, it, it wasn't this bad thing. It was just this incredible strategy that I had created around keeping myself alive in a weird and wonderful way that made sense to me at the time. So I'd love, I don't know if, if that's something that resonates for you, if something that, that you see in that. Yeah, it totally does. And it makes it so much more innocent than it is. And, and I imagine that people who are listening to this might get confused around the fact that I would call an addiction innocent. It's not that I say that the effects of the addiction can be horrendous or life-threatening. It's got nothing to do with that. But if you zoom out a little bit and you go back to where addiction start it's always the fact that we feel uncomfortable we want to change that we want to feel good for a moment that's it it's also you know so people either develop addictions to numb out to zone out or because they want to have more excitement in their life so you can become addicted addicted to jumping out of airplane so it's always about overriding your discomfort that's it so because the brain loves shortcuts you know, when you have, when you feel uh, uncomfortable and you do something and for a moment you feel good, the brain adopts that, um, that um, habit 
with, with much love because it makes sense for the brain. So every time you feel uncomfortable after that, the brain will tell you, oh, well, let's do this. That's how I, I, how I see it. Because brain has so many tasks every day. It's got so much to do that it's really fond of, of shortcuts. And an addiction is just a shortcut that gets out of hand. That's how I see it. And, you know, in, in line with what you were saying, what you saw about, you know, the fact that it's really beautiful that you developed this eating disorder in order to cope it, with it yourself because you didn't see any other way to do it. So although it wasn't really healthy, in a way it was the best thing you could come up with. And I think it's very, very special. And I had I had an insight around addiction a year ago with a guy who I worked with. And when I work with people and they have addictions, they never have to quit what they are addicted to. I, I don't care because it's not the problem. The problem is they think they need it. So you can quit drinking for two months but still be addicted to the idea of getting rid of your discomfort. So first you have to see that it's not bad to feel uncomfortable. It starts there because when you get used to that, when you get when you get to overcome that, when you get comfortable about feeling uncomfortable, the urge to get away from it falls away by itself. And I was I was working with this guy and we had been working for two and a half months. And 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 sometimes he didn't drink for two weeks and then he drank for two days. And he was so fed up with it. He was so annoyed with himself. And then it suddenly struck me and I said to him, you know, this is your way to quit drinking. It's just not the way we wanted it to be. You know, we wanted it to be total, like you. now you quit and you don't drink for the rest of your life. But what if you're wrong? What if your way is to sometimes have another drink and get you and then, you know, fed up with it and then stop drinking again for a while and then maybe have another drink? We don't know that. We have our own method, our own personal method to quit. So it's probably perfect, like everything is perfect. And, yeah, you like that? Or are you, are you laughing about my head again? <laughs> I'm laughing at your heart. <laughs> oh, we were such in a deep, serious conversation. Oh no! I know, I know. It's really. I know, and now we messed it up. Oh no! I'm gonna have to take a photo of it and actually use it as the um, as the uh, as the face on the on the podcast thing. So can I do that? Yeah. <laughs> No, I need the pom pom hat. I need the pom pom on the on the top. There we go. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So I love that. I love. I love. This is so. This is certainly something that I hadn't seen. Because so often we can beat ourselves up about how we think it should be, how it should look, um, look towards others and how they gave up, um, and then and then that now becomes a thing that we have to. Um, work towards um, versus going back inside and going actually this is this is what's making sense to me right now um, yeah. and that might look different for me for everybody else yeah yeah and and the thing is that you know when you go to AA and I've been there for a few months you know and uh, I loved it I loved the fact that I, there was a place that I could bitch uh, every day and, 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 and moan about my life and everybody accepted that. <laughs> but what I didn't like is the whole idea. Sorry, sorry for making jokes. Um, 
what I, what I didn't like was, I just go on talking and you laugh there. What I didn't like was this whole idea that when you, so you haven't had a drink for 53 days. And then on day 54, you fall face down in a bucket of vodka. You know, just happens. You know, you just, then the next day you lost your 53 days. That's what it, how it works. And you have to start all over again. And I think who made that up? Because it's, life doesn't work that way. And it's so cruel. It's so demotivational. You know? So it's, that's what happens to people who are addicted. I've seen it so many times in my own life and with other people as well. You quit your habit and then after a while, simply because it's so ingrained in your system, you do it again one time for a day, whatever, for two days, for an evening. And then you're so disappointed in yourself that you just give up and completely embrace the addiction again. But it doesn't mean anything. The only thing it, mean, it, it means is that you that you um, surrender to an old conditioning just for a while because you have been, you're so used to it. That's all. It doesn't matter. What matters is what you do afterwards. So what? So you had the cigarette. So you had the, the drink. So you had the, the Coke. So you had the sex with a stranger. It happens. It's not bad. So it's about what, what you do afterwards. And then people say, well, if you say it like this, uh, you give people an excuse. I don't give shit if I give people an excuse. I want to be caring. I want to be loving people around their, their, their attempts to stop what's, what's, uh, what's hurting them. So the strictness around it is not really helpful. I don't believe it. I don't believe to be so cruel about uh, this whole idea that if we stop, we should stop for the rest of our lives. Because, well, it, 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 uh, it, it surely doesn't work that way when you look around people who quit. So what about everybody has to find their own way of quitting? That's it. It's a very simple thing, and it's the truth, because that's what you see. So it will prevent people from feeling messed up after, after they screwed up, you know? Mm. And then they just get on with their lives again, and they've learned something new by doing it again. And they probably won't do it for a while. And maybe they do it again. And who says that's bad? Mm. Not me. I've often seen, you know, one addiction. I mean, I, I experienced this. I don't know if you did, Monix, where you replace just one addiction with another. So for me, it was um, taking drugs for quite a while. And then beyond that, going to all these seminars. So I went from, I went from one sort of rave to another. <laughs> We're a seminar junkie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I totally turned into one. And my realization was after doing so many of those seminars, it was like, oh my God, I'm just, it's, it's the same thing. I've just replaced it with something else. It might be a healthier version of it, but it certainly didn't look like that in my bank account. And it was just to get another hit, another hit, another hit another hit because I was so not comfortable with being uncomfortable and not being okay with the discomfort because I thought it meant something dreadful was going to happen or that my life was going to fall apart or that um, it meant something about me. I mean, that was like, ah! you know, the worst thing ever. Did you, have you found that um, or did you yeah, find yeah. that? This is, this is all about a, a shitload of self-fulfilling prophecies. 
you know, that's it. You're so, so scared that you're not be able to, you will not be able to withstand your craving. And then you focus on the craving and then the craving gets worse and worse and worse. And in the end, you can't stand it anymore. And the only thing you can do is give in to your addiction. And then straight afterwards, you feel bad again. And you build up an, another self-fulfilling prophecy where you don't want to do the thing you desperately want to do. But because you simply can't relax around it, you get so focused on the, on the activity, it becomes so big in your mind that you simply can't ignore it anymore. And the same goes for anxiety attacks. It's exactly the same, you know. Ooh, in two hours I'll be on a place and there will be many people. Oh, I don't like places with many people. Oh, no, people, oh, and all these people, I feel this and I'm, you know, highly sensitive and oh, oh, and then you've got all this thinking going on and then you go to this place and there are all the people and then you have so much thinking going on. You feel like shit and you yes, it's, it's true. It's all the people who are causing my, my feelings. I had this when I was depressed. When in you know after the summer when 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 autumn start started to to you know arrive in in the Netherlands and I looked out of my window and I saw the first leaves falling down and I felt very melancholic. I thought I didn't I didn't think oh this is melancholy it's actually pretty beautiful to have this very subtle emotion. I thought no no I'm getting depressed again. So I started to worry about my depression. I didn't sleep and then I didn't sleep for a month and I was a wreck after not sleeping. And then I was depressed again. And then I looked back at the month, you know, at the start of the month, and I said, oh, yeah, I knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we're doing it to ourselves, not because we want to, but just because we don't see what happens. We're so scared of the thing, and then we innocently um, create it. It's just like, yeah, I mean, when you, when you see it from that perspective, it is crazy what we do to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it, the thing is, whenever you, you talk about it this way, it, it, it can sound very disrespectful. You know, I want to I wanna acknowledge that fact because I know that, you know, I work with a lot of people who have had, you know, you have like 20 or 25 labels, everything you can think of, they have it. You know, all these mental health labels. And people have been with psychiatrists for 20 years, 25 years, and they had suicidal ideation, and they have PTSD, and they have all these things, and bipolar, and they ADHD, and HSP, and whatever you have. And then I talk to them, and I try to get a good connection with them. And if it's up to me, within 10 minutes, I say to them, there's nothing wrong with you. You're totally fine. You're just so up in your head. And it creates a shitload of symptoms and, and bad experiences. And that's all that happens. But I don't say it doesn't mean anything or you're exaggerating or you're a wimp because I've been there. I know how much it can hurt. I know how confusing it can be. But for people who have been seeing psychiatrists for 20 years and who are still struggling with their old demons, it can be very helpful to meet somebody who says, I see who you are and you're fine because they have never heard that before. And I believe, deeply believe that right now because I've been working with quite a lot of people now and I've seen the most amazing changes, really, really, really and changes that I've never seen in sessions with psychotherapists or psychologists or psychiatrists because they only focus on the wrong 
thing within people and not on the right thing. And what we do is the exact opposite while keeping a deep respect for the human uh, experience because that's what we, you know, I, I don't want to numb out on being a human being. Like, you know, this is the, these are the emotions I want and this is the category I don't want. And I'm really good at keeping them out of my, my, my experience. No, I want to experience everything. But from a less personal point of view with a lot of more space around it, so um, that, but that's what I talk about to people. And you know, I've had people with 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 anxiety attacks for your panic attacks for fifteen, twenty years after one conversation, like wake up to what they were doing. And the only thing that that's a problem for them is the fact that the psychiatrist said that that they would have it for the rest of their lives. It doesn't make sense. It's really confusing for them. So I said, how do you feel? I feel great. But my psychiatrist said that it's not, a po- not possible. I said, what, would you, what does your feeling say? Well, it is. So this understanding of that there's a whole world beneath the world you think you live in, you know, in your mind, in your, in your psychology, this is, it's so extremely powerful. It's ridiculous, really. <laughs> and then again, it's really hard to explain sometimes to people who want this logical explanation. So when people ask me to pitch this in three minutes, I say, well, you know, invite somebody else. <laughs> Not going to do it. <laughs> but if you want to talk to me for an hour, you'll get a feel for it. Because it takes some time. You have to, in a way, you have to uh, surpass the, uh, the logical mind, the intellect, in order to get deeper in people. What came to mind when you were talking was um, this idea, you know, I had an ex-boyfriend who used to, I don't know. He used to always focus on 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 um, the piece, like maybe uh, the stain on my shirt or um, something around my mouth, or and and it used to always bother me. And then I realised I'm like, oh, that's what we do, isn't it? We focus on the thing that's wrong versus everything else that we could be focusing on. So, like the beautiful dress I was wearing, or the the the, the beautiful face I have, or the shoes that I was wearing or something like that, where he could have been focusing on something else, but he chose to focus on the, on the tiny stain at the top of the shirt or the, mm-hmm. and I would be like, Oh my God, that's what we do. We do that. Yeah. We don't see that there is this, this, this beautiful thing behind this little stain <laughs> and the stain gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger it comes all to the center of attention and you're like oh my god i gotta take the shirt off because the stain's so bad and it's only like the tiny little speck but yeah. that's what we do right yeah yeah the, you know this whole attention thing that's a big deal and it seems to be, like I always hear that, we have this negativity bias as a human being because it, it helped us survive. You know, Danger is pretty negative, so we're wired to see negative things. That's why the media is also negative, because we love it in a very morbid way. But um, you're totally right, you know. Um, Many people are really, really focused on, on the bad stuff. I never wake up in the morning and say to myself, hallelujah, my leg is not broken. You know? <laughs> well, it's not right now. My legs are not broken. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Yeah, and, he, and you've got a pom-pom hat on. So really, life is great. <laughs> life is great. 
Yeah, I'm, and I'm sitting in 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 uh, at the coast in in the UK in in a, in a beautiful house overlooking a valley, and I see the sea in the back. I have a conversation with you. Life is pretty awesome. Yeah. But I love this analogy because it it really opens up. There's an expansion that comes out from there because we get so focused on on that one thing, but actually there's a bigger picture. It's a bit like, you know, the trunk of the elephant. What what part of the elephant are you touching? And it's and, and describing that elephant and it's like everybody's elephant is different because everybody's got a different part of the elephant. But it's still an elephant. There's a bigger part to that. There's the there's the sum of the parts that makes the whole. And we so get focused on that one part versus looking up. I remember recently having a conversation with a client and she's been so she's been so fixated on looking down that she hadn't given herself the opportunity to look up and breathe and see the bigger picture because we get so immersed in like this this thing we're on that we don't look up and go oh wow what actually is that what's the possibility here what is possible what is there yeah hmm. yeah and what i've what i've what I've seen around this, you know, uh, being aware of, of, of or zooming in into problematic things or zooming out and coming from a way broader perspective. Um, I had a really, uh, uh, really interesting uh, webinar with Aaron Turner like a month ago and doing one of his practitioner trainings. And, and, and we, 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 we get to uh, watch him coach people and then talk about it. And uh, he was coaching a woman, and, and a woman was asking and, and asking if, if what he's teaching, if that's the same as mindfulness. Because that's what I hear all the time, you know. It's, or it's, or it's, either it's positive thinking or it's my, It's not. It's not. It's not. And, and, my, and then Aaron Turner said it because I always had this idea that it's not my mindfulness, but I couldn't explain why. And then he said, you know, mindfulness is still focusing on something. And what we're talking about is no focus at all. It's way more freestyle. It's way more free, you know. The only thing, it's like your, your, your focus is floating. You're not constantly concentrating on something. And in mindfulness, you're concentrating on the, on the breath or on your thinking or whatever. And there's still this attachment to whatever happens. And then you can make a step further away from this whole thing. And then you get lost in a very beautiful way, in the in in the unfolding, in the happening of life itself, there's no focus there, mm. and it feels really peaceful and really large and really expansive. So, I can tell that to people, and then they say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, interesting, uh, mindfulness. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, uh, acceptance, acceptance, and commitment therapy. I know this." And then their mind shuts down, and they don't hear it. You have to feel this for yourself, and then you get what most of my clients say after a while is, shit, Marnix, why didn't I know this before? Why, why, don't, why don't we teach this to young children? Why aren't there programs everywhere to, to learn that our thinking just does what it does and it's nothing to do with us? But you have to feel it for yourself, and then it makes so much sense. Um, but I, but I gave up the pitching thing, you know, I, because it's, it's a waste of time. I'd rather talk to people who are willing to 
change their lives than people who are not <laughs> because they want to defend their way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not easy really, is it? To, to actually get through to somebody who's defending the way they want to live, even though it's really not working for them. It's almost um, undoable. And it's a, just a waste of time. You know, it was interesting um, going back to this sort of addiction thing and beating yourself up. I, kind of what was coming to mind when I was speaking was this sense that, you know, when we want to stop something, we kind of go, I want to stop. We look at the result, like that's that's the result we want. I want to stop the drinking. I want to stop the, 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 the drugs. I want to stop the smoking. I want to stop whatever it is that we don't like about the addiction that we're in. And something recently has, has caught my awareness around this, which is actually more about noticing so, so often we can get so caught up in the result versus actually noticing the experience around it. So like um, this notion of noticing sort of became, I became aware of this maybe about a year and a half ago to just notice where I am in that process versus thinking about the end result and getting to it because it, I would miss the noticing. And it's so, once again, going back to that sort of like full-on focus, focus versus noticing where I am in the process of my own experience right now. And I found that to be really useful. It's not even a technique. It's just this sense or this capacity that we have to notice something or observe it and then go, oh, am I doing that thing again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's really useful. Like at least I find it to be quite useful in the sense that like, I'm doing that thing again. I'm just noticing it's happening again. Okay. Versus it being about beating myself up about the thing that I'm doing again. Yeah. It's, it seems that you are able to develop this capacity to wake yourself up from getting lost in, in thought, but it happens by itself. And that's the, that's the frustrating, but the beautiful thing at the same time, because it's not a method. It's not a doing, although you can get better at it in a way. In, in a way. It's like very paradoxical, like most interesting things are. Um, so I'm totally with you when you say, you know, when you talk about the noticing, it is actually the noticing itself that is interesting, not what you're noticing. So the noticing, right. I, I, I say it's just another word for consciousness or awareness. It's just this, this neutral fact of being alive. That's the only constant in, in, in a human being's life. And everything changes constantly. But whenever you are becoming aware of the awareness, then, when it, then it becomes really interesting because you're not attached to anything anymore. Not in a bad way, but not even in a good way as well. And it seems that life, you know, floats easier and with a lot of more peace, you know, in it. Um, and it's, it's a non-doing. Yeah, you know? it's non-doing. <laughs> so yeah, what does it even mean, a non-doing? How do I do that? Well, you don't. It's like, how do I ignore the airplanes that fly over my house You know, when I live close to the air, airfield? Well, you don't, but somewhere along the line, you, you forget that they're there. And they don't bother you anymore. But you don't deliberately ignore stuff. It simply doesn't work that way. So when you fall in love with this noticing more in a more general way, you see that 
things that were really annoying for you or painful for you, they just don't touch you that, that deeply anymore. They just don't seem to exist anymore. But it's process. It's, that's what it is, you know. Um, it, it, you start somewhere and then you see something. And, and I, have to, I have to say that I have tried a lot of diff, different stuff in, in the past uh, 10 or 15 years and when it comes to personal development. And never, ever in my life have I, have I seen something that is so deep and rich as this understanding. Because every day, and I don't exaggerate, every day I see something new. And every day I find five, 10 or 20 blind spots, you know, where I thought, no, this is life doing stuff to me. And then I realize, oh, no, I'm doing it myself. Oh, this too. So the idea that, you know, over the last few years, my life has become so much more peaceful and joyful and creative and exciting. And I know it will never stop until the day I die. You know, the deepening of this, the unfolding of this, transcendence of this, it feels like a very rich, and I get excited talking about it, you know, because it doesn't stop. It's not like a fixed and then, okay, you have to get an, another one. It, it, it's an, an undoing and, it, and it's an unfolding and it unfolds by itself. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to do it. There's no intellectual uh, activity involved. Hmm. Well, that's very abstract. I know. <laughs> but it doesn't make it less true. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. Yeah. I do. And, you know, I, I've been on the journey pretty much the same amount of time as you. And, and the time is, is irrelevant anyway because it's... It's not linear. And yet, you know, there is always deeper, richer experience and a deeper, richer experience. And it's, it's infinite. Like it really is infinite. We don't know how, how deeper and richer it can go because there is an infinite. Um, yeah, it's just infinite. So I guess... It, it it is it is incredible in the sense that life is just gets more beautiful as as time goes by and um you know for those of you that are listening you know it's not like me and Monix are here like totally soiled you know like um, going yeah it's all beautiful it's so nice and you know maybe you're in the thick of it right now but it's more to do with the fact that this is so hopeful like it doesn't matter where you are you know if you're going through the shit I mean even even. Even in December and January for me, Manix was just horrific. <laughs> okay. I was in yeah. something really, really deep and hurtful yeah. and it felt like I was back in that depression and then I was just like, oh my God, like what the hell's happening here? Yeah. But I, I, I saw a lot of things in 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 the insecurity. And that's what I see is the more insecurity that shows up randomly because it's never really planned i don't plan it so i get up one morning and go right gonna have a really shit two months here uh yeah. i'm gonna see some stuff and then i'm gonna come out of it and i'm gonna be much better for it doesn't work that way it just kind of hits you like a tornado that comes along and it's like whoa where did this come from mm. so but there's always something beautiful to see in those moments too there's something there's real value in 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 not 
in the non-clarity. And I think there's value yeah. in, in just the human experience itself. Yeah, the way I see it, what you, what you say about these shitty months you have, I have that as well. So, but for me, it's not months anymore. It's like an, maybe it might happen in the future. Let's see. You know, I don't know. Sometimes it's a day or a week. And, I, and what I noticed, or what I, I had this insight about it, and I thought it's like the universe is, is, is confusing me. And they, it's like giving me all this shit to deal with. And in the background, it's preparing a present for me. Always. Yeah. So because when it's done, when I'm out of it, when the rut is over, there's always there's all this this lesson waiting for me or this deeper thing always you get it's very reliable so it's like the universe gives me something to chew on for a while so i get get distracted and i feel lost in something very very unimportant and in the meanwhile it's doing amazing stuff in the background in order to prepare me for that so that's that's how it feels for me and of course we have shitty days and of course we get frustrated and, 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 and irritated and we, we can hate people, you know? I'm really not, not a fan of this, um, of this lifestyle where you pretend to be very, very spiritual and holy. Come on, fuck that shit. It's, it's, no, that's not who we are. We're, we're sloppy person, creatures. And, and everything is, 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 is beautiful. But the less we hang on to our preferences and the thing and the way we think life should be, the more it flows and the more natural it becomes, and the more and the less we get hung up on on stuff that we we thought was awful before. But it doesn't mean you get everything you want <laughs> because most of the time I, I don't get I get get the stuff that I want. But many of the things I do get are way better than the stuff I wanted. I didn't even know that. So I just gave up on wishing. Like, I don't you know. The universe has way better plans for me than I can have. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, looking back, I would never have conceived the life I currently have. Like, just things that have happened in the past and that could, that could happen in the future. None of it was on my radar until it was. You know, like... Um, I got onto ITV this morning onto the onto onto the TV show, and um, it was so weird because literally that March I was sitting in my sitting on my sofa in my flat in London, going, "It'd be really interesting to get on this program. I think I'd love to get on this program to talk about what, what I do here." And literally two months later, I'm sitting being interviewed. <laughs> Yeah, by Philip Schofield, and I'm like, oh my God, I could never. I like seriously, could never have like. Mm-hmm. It was just a passing thought. Um, but did you see that it, it just it just popped up, and then you thought it was really interesting, and you and you were really excited about it, but you didn't. You get you didn't get wound up about it. It's like yeah, okay, well, and then you just then it you let it go again. So, but yeah. it felt good. That's it. And, and that's, that's the whole thing. You don't get obsessed with it. So this whole idea to get on, on television, you didn't make that up, right? No. So what if, what if it's just a taste of what it's, what's going to happen? You know, just, it's like something you already get a taste for what's going to happen. And because you know it's going to happen, you're not even that excited about it in the moment when it, when, it, when it pops up in your head. It's like, oh, yeah, makes sense. I want to do that. 
I've had this with a couple of things like Supercoach Academy. I wasn't able to pay for it myself, but I wanted to do it in a very, very simple way. I felt like I wanted to do it and let go. And then it was paid for by one of my clients. And I've had this three times in a row where I didn't have money to pay a really cool event or something like that. And I just asked the client and they said, yeah, sure, I'll pay it for you. And there was no, it was not, no, it was not a big deal. I felt like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll just ask him. And, and it's like we already feel what's going to happen somewhere along the line, somewhere in the future. And it, and it pops up in our mind and we, we feel good about it, but we don't get lost in ways to uh, attain it, to attract it, or to, you know, I didn't make, uh, uh, you know, vision boards around me going to Supercoach Academy. Nothing like that. I didn't do affirmations. <laughs> I didn't write in my gratefulness journal. I don't have one. I'll probably have a few. <laughs> so, so I, I love this, this whole tendency of people to do this, this reverse engineering. You know, when we look at happy people and then we interview happy people and we ask, oh, happy people, tell me, happy person, what does your life look like? What, tell me about your daily things and then they say oh yeah i wake up and then i see a flower and i'm really interested in the flower and i love how the flower look what it looks like and it's amazing and then we write down in order to be happy you have to love flowers and then the happy person says yeah i love being with my family and i love being connected to people and then we write down in order to be happy you have to connect to people that's what we do constantly you know and it never works there are millions of gratefulness journals you know collecting dust under beds over the whole, you know, in the whole wide world. And it's like buying a fitness uh, thing when looking at Telcel. You get really uh, excited about what it will bring to you. And then, then you get it delivered to your home. And then it's way more shitty than you thought it was. And then you get on it and it hurts. And you, you slide it under your bed and try to forget about it. And then it sits there gathering dust and you're like, why the hell did I buy this thing in the first place? And yes. I thought, can somebody please take it away? Yeah. And please <laughs> take the pasta machine as well. And, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's a little bit like um, how obsessed that we can get to get over something or at least, you know, want to stop that something. And then we beat ourselves up and it's just like that, that sort of outside motivation of um, the carrot and the stick. Like if I if I give up drinking or you know and then beat ourselves up when we don't and yeah it's just crazy behavior but yet it makes sense to us because that's just we don't know so well that's what the world world tells us about this so when I say to people you know there's this this uh, this line that goes once an alcoholic uh, you know you're an alcoholic forever. Holland, everybody uh, swears when it comes to that sentence. It's like, yeah, that's the truth. It's nonsense. It's really rubbish. How could you say something generalizing like that about human beings? This doesn't make sense. But when we believe in it, it adds to the complexity of quitting our addiction. Because in, in our weakest moment, there it goes again. There you have this line again. Once an alcoholic, once an addict, addict for the rest of your life. That's what we but that's what we, we were taught. And it's bullshit. It is. Total bullshit. But 
well, this is the stuff we have to fight against in a way. We have, we have this whole paradigm where everything is about what's wrong with you instead of what's, what's right with you. And I have to say, Marina, that I, I, I stopped fighting because um, it's a waste of time. And what I love to do is uh, work with people, as much people as I can, in order to give them something, something of, an, uh, uh, of a feeling of autonomy back again and a feeling of freedom. And then they take that in, within in their new lives. And, and from there, they will change the lives of people. And I think it's way more powerful than me going on Twitter and using my bag of arguments to have a debate with someone I never will never meet in my life. You know? So I, I stopped doing that. I stopped trying to convince people. I don't care. <laughs> I like to work with people who are open for this and who, who get transformed by this. And I'm definitely not interested in, in polishing my ego every day by having debates with, with psychiatrists who think, who think this is way too simple. It is. It's very simple. But way too simple is just, um, it's just an opinion. It's not a truth. So that's what we think because our life hurts so much because we tried so many things to get rid of it because it makes our life so complicated. The solution must be complicated as well. It's just a, just a fallacy. It's just a mistake. It's not true. The, 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 the solution is extremely simple, extremely simple. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, even it, that in our own lives, you know, I've always found that insight whenever it's shown up has always given me a very simple answer. It's never complicated. It's just very simple. And there's a full stop at the end of it. And it's usually pretty short, uh, like go away, do that. Uh, Oh, um, it's done. Um, what else? Just enjoy it. You know, it's (laughs) just like really simple in the messages. That's not helpful. That's not helpful. (laughs) Oh, it's not. Okay. Um, so it's interesting though, with this whole thing with addiction, battling addiction, battling addiction, but actually what we're battling with is this overlooking of where our experience is actually coming from. That's the only thing that's ever going on is we just overlook where it's coming from. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's not even about our experiences or, or getting it. That's where it can start. It's just realizing or feeling the connection with this noticing with this bigger thing i i always love to call it the circus tent you know like there's this village and at the end of the village there's this green grass field and there's a circus tent and it's there every season all day all year round it's there the circus tent is there it's get used by 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 everyone who wants to use it so the debating club uses it and then stand-up comedians uh, you know who travel the country go there and then we have classical concerts and we have rock concerts for the circus then it doesn't really matter what happens there circus then is just a space in which all the acts you know play out uh, you can have a you can have a, a hamlet you can have spoken word you can have hip-hop you can have whatever and then the acts, they come and they go, and the acts are the human experience in me. But we are the circus tent, and the tent is never broken or touched by or influenced by whatever happens inside the tent. But we get lost in the acts. We get lost in the, in the activity that's going on in the tent without realizing that we're the space in which it happens. 
Wow, it's so compelling. I mean, seriously, like, you know, oh, yeah. he's a really great, great comedian or a guy that's wearing a pom-pom hat and that's still yeah. amazing on it. <laughs> it, is, it is compelling. And it's not bad that it's compelling, but it's good to know that this is what happens. So you can still get lost in the guys with the pom-pom hats and, the, <laughs> and enjoy them. <laughs> yeah. So we must have been talking about three and a half yeah, hours Yeah, right? so it's time, Mannix. It's time. It's time okay. to shut you down. Okay. <laughs> okay. So if people want to want to see your pom pom hat with the label sticking out, or want to just grab you and speak to you, how can they do that? Yeah, well, they can they can go over to my website, marnix.nl or marnix.coach. I think it happens. Uh, it works as well. It's M A R N I X. It'll be in the uh, I, I, I work pretty well on Google as well. You can put me in Google, my name, and then you get a lot of... I made quite some, some, some videos in English. I did an English TED Talk about fear a few years ago. And, uh, and I have this thing where I invite people to come over to Amsterdam and stay with me for a few days. It's called Meet Me in Amsterdam. It's an intensive with a theme. And uh, people stay, they stay in a hotel, and I take care of them. And sometimes I just say, and I'll go on the streets. And, and, and enjoy yourself, go play with yourself, and I'll see you in two hours. And we have formal meetings. We, I take them out to dinner. And um, what I invite people to bring their shit and leave it in Amsterdam. So, um, nice. yeah, that's what I love to do. So people get in, again, get in contact uh, around that with me. And, um, you know, when people want me, want me over uh, to their country, I travel too. I love that. I'm now in the U.K., and next month I will go to uh, to Calgary. So um, I love coaching. You can you can you can you can ship me everywhere, and I'll I'd open my mouth and start doing it. So, well, thank you so much, my love. It's been wonderful to have you on the show. And um, for those of you that have been listening in, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Although you haven't got the um... <laughs> you haven't got the honor of, of seeing his pom-pom hat however i will be putting it everywhere else so that you can see it because it is wonderful it really is so until the next time bye for now and there we have it another amazing episode of the joy of being and if you'd like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life then why not find out more about the joy of being retreat an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina marinapearson.com with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek.